This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, Do we like this movie? Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your Santa host, Hoffy. And we're back. Dude, the last episode that we've done on this show was when we did Halloween ends, like, mid-October. It's been a long time since we've done this. Yeah, we're going to need to make some apologies. We promised some people we're going to do from Dust Till Dawn. That is still in the works. It probably was going to get pushed back in favor of some holiday stuff. Angel and I had some uh scheduling stuff through the month of november plus the fact that thanksgiving came around it was just a lot like there was just a lot kind of working against us yeah it's been a sneaky crazy couple months this is most definitely just been like the hardest year for us to get a consistent schedule going for this show but um of course definitely it's you know sometimes you you run the risk of like not continuing a show when you do this so so thankfully yeah. we've kept ourselves engaged enough that we know that we're continuing to do this show and uh really one of the reasons why we came back this particular week is because you came up with the idea of you know obviously because of the time of year that we're at that we should start doing some quote-unquote christmas movies That's and right. um, Last year we did we did some good ones. We did a, like Home Alone and Gremlins, and those are big ones, right? And I, I'm I'm kind of like a fan of these. Like you know, we've done Black Christmas. Like I'm a fan of these movies where it's like it subverts the themes of Christmas, right? As opposed to something like It's a Wonderful Life that's supposed to be like a like a one of those message movies about mm-hmm. you know christmas and stuff like that i i'm a big fan of just like these movies that tell like these dark bizarre tales like <laughs> around the christmas holiday and i think this one is that you suggested which is the movie we're doing this week uh violent night boy, uh, which is, is now this out a, in theaters boy is this a dark and twisted and weird movie as far as christmas goes <laughs> So, there are movies I like to categorize as hobby movies, and I think we've talked about them before. Are they big, stupid, loud, have a lot of violence? Yeah, if if it has, if you check yes to any of those boxes or all those boxes, chances are you're watching a hobby movie. Um, and I remember. <laughs> I don't even remember where I found the trailer. Like, the whole point of this movie coming together feels like a weird fever dream. But I just remember being on YouTube and then seeing a video of, I'm like, is this a horror, uh, is this another horror, like, Christmas movie? And Mm. then it's just David Harbour dressed as Santa Claus, kicking the shit out of uh, various terrorists from different, like, national origins. And I was like, oh! Holy shit, it's Die Hard with Santa. Well, yeah. I mean, we haven't done Die Hard yet on this show, and I feel like it might be one of those movies that maybe we can save until next year. Um, but it's 
yeah, of course. It's it's the guy who, you know, has to save, you know, it, it's 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 die hard, right? Like it, it, it in that it's gosh, what is the main character's name? I can't remember I remember it anymore. Thank you. John McClane has to save all the people in Nakatomi Plaza from the terrorists. <laughs> the damn those German terrorists who we all hate now in the year of 2022. <laughs> Violent Night feels like it was made to settle that argument of whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And it's that like whenever your douchey friend is like, it's not a Christmas movie, you can just be like, shut up, we're watching Violent Night now. So your opinion is <laughs> stupid and be quiet. Um, yeah, this movie, funny enough, I hadn't seen a single trailer for it. Um, I knew it was out. I listened to some podcasts and I follow some pages that have kind of been talking about how kind of a campy fun it's been. And honestly, coming into this movie, I thought it was like, I thought David Harbour was playing like a mall Santa or, you know what I mean? Like some sort of like those SantaCon Santas, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> No, motherfucker. This is the real deal. Tim Allen would never. Oh, my it is God. pretty insane coming into it. Um, so I guess uh, the things I found interesting about this, apparently this movie has been written by the same team who was responsible for writing the 2020 Sonic the Hedgehog movie. <laughs> Surprisingly <laughs> checks out. <laughs> <laughs> They're unhinged in the same way. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this movie really, actually, if you want to get into it, unless you want to get into what your experience was with watching it, that we can. No, I mean my well. my experience is pretty boring. Like I think you texted me, you and your wife were going, which still boggles my mind that you took your wife to go watch Violent Night. <laughs> Well, as I mentioned off air, uh, I honestly didn't think anyone was going to be interested in watching this with me. But uh, funny enough, it's, it, she did. So there we go. We ended up it's, watching it together. It's like it, it's such a hard sell. Like I can, like I was thinking about who I can invite, and I'm just like the fact that I have to tell somebody it's Santa Claus kicking the shit out of terrorists, like. <laughs> I feel like that's a hard sell for a lot of people in my friend group. But no, yeah. Honestly, kind of... I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this. This is a movie because I, I had someone rec- like ask me if I recommended it to them. And um I guess I shouldn't say this until the end of them until the end of the episode. But honestly, what I did tell them was this movie is very, very stupid. But it is very, very enjoyable, and and we'll get into exactly why that is as we get into this podcast. So and right um, there, like, you just you just encapsulated the crux of what is a hobby movie, <laughs> right? Because you and again, we talk about movies that are like bad movies that we don't enjoy. Like this is a movie that I very much did enjoy, and it's funny because this one obviously on purpose it does what it does on purpose. But I got such a vibe of like in terms of how I felt about watching it, like when I was watching something like Exorcist Two, <laughs> where it's just something that is so off the wall ridiculous. Except the thing about Exorcist Two is that they didn't intend that. <laughs> they no, intend- they thought they were making it. Art. As if it was 
they thought they were making some sort of art house, like, you know, brilliant movie within Ennio Marconi score that might have won Oscars. And it was really just one of the worst things that have ever been put on film. And this one, it's like, yeah, you do come up with the idea of doing something bad. Watching bad movies is such a risky proposition because you and I, and I know at some point we'll probably end up doing it because it's going to happen at some point. Something like Velocipaster or Sharknado or like, there's certain kinds of movies that are just so purposefully attempting to be bad, so bad they're good that mm-hmm. I have trouble wanting to get into them because... I just feel like what's the point or what, how much am I even going to talk about it? Like, I feel like a movie like Exorcist 2 is dumb and it, and without tr- attempting to be dumb, like they thought they were really being serious like about it. But I feel like that's what makes it hilarious. Like you walk through it and you go through the story beats and you're like, and then they really thought that this was going to be it. And then there's mm-hmm. ones that are too awful. Like you and I, like, famously our episode on new year's evil which we always reference like a movie that's so like this so bad that like we forgot what happened in it like as we were talking about it and um um this one is like what i like about it is the simplicity it does several things christmas movies don't have to be complicated Mm -hmm. it really is it, it in some ways it's kind of like a single location movie you know, it is a, this is what this is the holiday, you know, obviously Christmas, you're not really leaving the house. You know, it may be a story like in Gremlins where it's an entire town or, you know, in this case, it's like it's just this compound that you're going to be in. Or even when we did New Year's, we did Assault on Precinct 13, right? The, mm-hmm. the remake where I hey John Linguizamo was in that movie as well. Like I got some real, you know soldiers in the snow coming to siege take siege on this mansion there were some parts of it where it just felt like a more obscenely ridiculous version of that john carpenter remake (laughs) the remake of the john carpenter movie that we saw like last uh you know last yeah i'm pretty sure it was the first episode of this year i think so yeah and we started on such a strong note (laughs) Um, so the movie kicks off with david harbour who is actually playing santa claus in this and thankfully again because i didn't know what was going on i you know there is a mall santa or you know picture booth santa who's sitting in a bar and david harbour's in the bar and it's just one of those things where like i guess like all santas probably convene in this bar because the bartender doesn't think of it as weird um, and David Harbour just looks like, you know, a crazy old, like, he's just good at playing this crazy old drunk. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, I'll talk about David Harbour for a minute. I really did dig him in this role. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those things where if you don't cast the right actor, it's not going to be good at all. And I felt like he did, he did what you expect David Harbour to do in a movie like this. But he also wasn't bad. Like he did, he did he doesn't go over the top. He doesn't take it too too far. The material is over the top, but he kind of plays it in a way like he plays it kind of like the way he plays a sheriff on on Stranger Things. To be quite honest, like there's like a kind of dead ass quality to, to how he acts. 
and how he just accepts the ridiculousness of the situation he's in. Which is really funny because I feel like David Harbour as an actual person is way more bombastic than his actual character work is. <laughs> like, remember when Stranger Things won a, uh, I forgot what award they won, and he gave that awesome speech about punching Nazis in the face, and I was like, fuck yeah. Yes. i was like as opposed to the very reserved uh sheriff that you get by season three of season of uh i was about to say season things Mm -hmm. (laughs) stranger things or even like the santa here like he could have hammed it up there is plenty of opportunities to ham it up like your name's john ham but he chose not to he played it very like I'm not gonna say cool. Like there's definitely not much cool factor for this Santa, but he plays it like a very, um, what's the word? I guess burnt out. Like I think he knows how to capture mm-hmm. the essence of a tired character. Like not necessarily a character that's like, like oh that tires easily. Just a character that's like done been doing their job for so long. They're just burnt out by having to deal with it, but they'll go and do it. You know, like the- <laughs> he he is like the the neighbor in Gremlins to me. <laughs> like <laughs> you think so? A hair away from being xenophobic, <laughs> but there's something objectively like well, in the old days everything was so much better about him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just the way that he kind of complains about, you know, how kids are all just consumers now, you know, and how everything is just like Amazon boxes. Like you see, like later on in the scene where he's like going into people's homes and there's Amazon boxes everywhere. And um, yeah, again, he just this is an old weathered, tired Santa that is that is sick of the over commercialization of Christmas and, you know, is at the point where apparently he may not even want to continue doing this anymore. He's Marxist um, Santa. He's done with your capitalist <laughs> bullshit, America. <laughs> yeah. Funny enough. Socialist uh, Santa Claus. We make the joke, but he's literally socialist Santa Claus in the Black Widow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like I love that you mentioned that. I love the rant he goes on about all these kids just being like vile creatures that just want to consume and eat everything. Meanwhile, the mall Santa and the bartender are just like, are you okay there, bud? Like, you have some strong feelings about this. Yeah, honestly, I thought the beginning of this movie, I thought we were gearing up to see David Harbour kill people (laughs) because he was basically like a Santa who lost his mind. Like, we were just basically watching One Bad Day Santa. Like, it's what I thought was happening in the beginning of this. It's very close to turning into Santa Slay starring Goldberg from 2004. Which, you know, I guess we can spoil it now. We're going to do that movie next week because I've also never seen that before. Oh, that is such... Oh, that movie is a Spike original movie. That's all you need to know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, yeah, you seem like he, he's gonna go off the deep end, but no, he finishes his drink, he you know, leaves well, the other and Santa pays for his tab, which right. kind of like trying to show some kind. I like what he says that he's like, from one Santa to another, you never let someone uh not experience kindness or something to that effect. So he like pays for his tab, um, 
and David Harbour being grateful. And uh, as he turns to leave, he ends up remembering the, the bartender's grandson and gives her uh, his present. And she freaks out being like, how do you know I have a grandson? How do you know his name? And he ends up going towards the, the stairwell, going up to the roof. And she ends up following him up, uh, not unable to find him, thinking he's going to fall, break his neck. When suddenly she sees an eight reindeer sled being pulled through the sky, showing mm-hmm. that David Harbour was the actual Santa. And as she like waves to him, he turns over in the side of the sled and ends up yakking all over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And roll credit. That is such a good cold opening. <laughs> I love that. It that is was the opening. It is. It brings intrigue. And like I said, it, it's if you go into this movie like somehow being like someone who like me who hadn't even seen a trailer for it before, it's a really good way to suck you into the movie, which is it is very rare, by the way, for me to go to a movie that I haven't watched a trailer for. Like, I don't do it very often. So I'm um, you did, Blake. I thought I, I thought you would have gone <laughs> and checked it out after I told you about it. No, I think I had heard enough scuttlebutt about it that like I was just like, yeah, no, that's fine. Let's do it. Let's. I'll, I'll go watch it tomorrow. <laughs> that was my thought on this. So, um, all right. So after that, we start to meet the members of the Lightstone family. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason, who is the you know, there's there's the Lightstone immediate family, which is uh, Jason, his not quite ex-wife but uh you know his wife and and he are at least separated linda yeah and their daughter trudy and um it starts with linda and trudy picking jason up from i don't know if it's like a train station or whatever Mm -hmm. he's like coming from some sort of either business trip or party or something right like he's coming from some event and you get the impression from the car that you know, this family may not have been together, uh, you know, for some time. Like, you know, obviously it seems like they're, which is very like kind of like 80s Spielberg like movie thing where it's like the estranged child and because it's like the parents are splitting up and there's like kind of like this like melodrama about it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, clearly they're parents that are at least trying to do their best to co-parent. Um I thought they were fully divorced or whatever, and it could have been some sort of infidelity problem, but I hadn't really, I just guessed, right? Like I didn't know mm. anything. Um, no, it, it really does play out. Like you, like you think they're separated at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, the vibe it gave off was like separated family, but in an effort, like you said, like an effort to co-parent um, or at the very least a marriage on the rocks. I thought they would put, they were showing up trying to put up uh, at least appearances for their daughter for like one final like Christmas together as a family. Um, mm-hmm. So that, yeah, that was kind of the vibe I, I was getting. Um, and then, you know, as, as uh, only for us to find out that this is not just any family, this is like a mega wealthy family, right? Like as they drive up, um, you know, or you know, we have the scene where like Trudy talks about how she watched Home Alone for the first time, recreating the greatest hits, much to Linda's dismay. And then as they like start driving on, they they go through this road trip in Connecticut. 
they drive to a compound? Not yeah, like, not the Lightstone like a, compound. Not even like Which initially, I thought they were going. I thought it was like a hotel at first, like because it was just like this, like it looked like the lodge from or the Overlook Hotel, right from mm-hmm. from the Shining that they were heading into. But no, it's just it is a compound that these people have because they're ultra rich. So clearly, mm-hmm. you know, whoever's in their family is either some kind of mega, you know, billionaire uh, family, mm-hmm. or they're like politicians, right? And the vibe you totally get is this is like old money. This is essentially uh, kind of a dated reference now, but fucking uh, what's his name? Dick Cheney, like Dick Cheney's like butt buddies type of family. (laughs) (laughs) Very well. Well, I mean that. I mean later that that makes a little bit more sense. But like the vibe it gets, like the the vibe I get the entire time is like defense contracting family, you know? Oh yeah, defense contracting war criminal billionaire family. Yeah, or people (laughs) that made money off selling a shit ton of guns to both sides. That was the vibe I got. Um. But yeah, like as they kind of pull up to the main house, is um you know beautiful mansion. Uh, we get shots of uh, the catering company kind of getting ready, this big opulent home, and just, like, the excess that goes on in this house. Like, there's just so much food, so much decoration. So it's it's definitely a lot. <laughs> and this is where we get introduced to the rest of Jason's family, Jason's sister, Alva, played by Edie Patterson, who... I think it's Patterson. Let me double check before I spread fake news. Yes, it is. Who she literally plays the same exact character she is here in the Righteous Gemstones, and it's fucking hilarious. (laughs) Have you seen the Righteous Gemstones yet? I have not. Bro, you would get a kick out of it. It's um it's uh Danny it's Danny McBride um one of the dudes from workaholics uh and Edie Patterson they're the they're all the kids of a Joel Austin type of like evangelical like preacher for this like mega church down in the south and that guy's played by John Goodman and it's just like about all the crazy dumb shit that they get into <laughs> Like the first episode opens with them doing like a mass, uh, what's it called? A mass baptism in China in a wave pool. Then someone turns it on. So everyone starts getting like. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how the show starts. And then like it just gets batshit crazy from there. So I highly recommend it if you haven't watched it yet. Um, but yeah, you got, you got Jason's sister, Alva. Um, who very clearly wants to try to usurp Jason's position as kind of like the oldest sibling, I guess, or at least the favorite sibling in their mom's eyes. Mm-hmm. Her boyfriend, uh, Morgan Steele, who I can only describe as a Marky Mark-esque character, talking about the, <laughs> how he would have saved 9-11. <laughs> And then my personally favorite named character in the entire movie, Alva's son, Bertrude. 
<laughs> yeah. So Trudy is the, you know, Trudy, the daughter, is apparently named after the grandmother that they're all going to visit, whose name is Gertrude. And um, for the, like, the sister's family is just insanely exaggerated. Um, where, like, clearly all the daughter cares about is finding some way to get the fortune from her mother and get into her good graces. Um, her, you know, husband or partner is like some sort of failed, obviously like a failed actor who did action movies that no one's watched before. And then like, you know, the son is Bertrude, <laughs> as you mentioned. I do and love his, just, like, I do this love his handle bag. for social media. He's a douchebag Gen Z TikTok uh, caricature, basically. I love that he calls himself the Burt Locker. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yes, kill me, please. Oh, man. But yeah, uh, pretty much, um, you know, at this point, uh, Trudy's kind of like, you know, she's happy. They're putting gifts away. They're kind of getting ready for the party. Um, Trudy uh, reveals though that every year Jason takes her to go see the mall Santa so that she can talk to him. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, um, oh no, I'm sorry. They're they're like preparing for Santa. They're putting out cookies that like Trudy herself made just for Santa. And then um, as she's getting ready to sleep, that's when she tells um, you know she tells them that she didn't get to see Santa. Jason goes running into like the local or not the local like the family like game room where he's able to mm-hmm. find a walkie talkie he wraps it up and takes it back to Trudy and he makes up this story about how the walkie talkie is a direct line to Santa Claus and that even though he's too busy to answer uh the call he'll be able to hear, hear her and um you know, and, and he lets her open the gift. She plays with it. Um, and while, and when uh, Jason and Linda kind of leave her to kind of play with the walkie-talkie, they overhear her saying that, you know, she's been a good kid this year. She has everything she wants, but the only thing she wants more than any of, the, any of her gifts is that her mom and dad uh, love each other again. Um, mm-hmm. to, I know. <laughs> And well, the funny the, thing the, about this, the funny thing about these three characters, that even though thankfully our family is not as cartoonishly uh, dysfunctional, <laughs> um, definitely, you know, being parents to a young daughter, uh, I could relate to the characters at least at the center of this movie. <laughs> yeah, because you know, Jason is like the vibe he gives off is he's just a dad trying his best. Um, but you know, trying to balance a life between work and also his personal hangups with his family, um, and then trying to be a father, uh, kind of getting in the way. Linda seems like Linda isn't played up to be this character, it's just like unreasonable. Like, she's just like, Hey, you know, you have to decide between being your mother's son or or, or a part of this family, and that's just kind of it. Like, she's not, like, nothing Linda, Linda doesn't seem unreasonable. Like, she seems like a very even kill character. And then Trudy's just an adorable kid. Like, like you just can't help but feel for, for like, this is, like, the emotional, um, 
Yeah, like this is the major emotional conflict in the movie is just being able to, you know, will will Jason and Linda get back together by the end of the film? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just kind of leaves you, it just kind of leaves you like wondering there. Uh, meanwhile, like spread out throughout the film, we get shots of, like you were saying, shots of Santa, like going to different homes where he even goes to the home, like you said, the Amazon box home where people didn't even bother um like wrapping the gifts they just put the boxes under the tree um and by the time he gets to uh the lightstone home in a comical event where one of the reindeer takes a shit on <laughs> on the <laughs> on the roof and then he gets pissed off at one of them uh we get to see kind of how the santa magic works where he's able to teleport through the chimneys or the Christmas magic, I mean. Um, Which he admits and, that he doesn't really know how it even works. I know, and I love that running gag where he like keeps saying that. Like, I don't even know how it works. And then when he goes down, uh, he starts eating some of the cookies, kind of like looking at the stuff that, that's around the house. He ends up finding a bottle of Beverly D'Angelo's like, favorite like whiskey and ends up pouring himself a huge cup of it. Dumping out the milk, um, which I know uh, I'm not going to keep saying Beverly D'Angelo, but forgive me if I do, even though I know her name is Gertrude Lightstone. <laughs> and then, um, as Santa's getting there to start delivering these gifts for the family, that's when, um, essentially the bad guys finally make their move, uh. After a synchronized watch goes off, one of the uh, one of the guys um, from the catering company knocks out one of the guards. He puts out the call, and all these uh, caterers reveal themselves to be armed mercenaries who then go around throughout the lighthouse uh, compound, essentially like taking out uh, armed guards and lighthouse staff all over the place. In an effort to try to cat, you know, try to um, in an effort to try to get the family to and hold them hostage, and all of them take on a Halloween. Uh, I was about to say Halloween, uh, Christmas themed uh, nicknames. Uh, we get introduced to a bunch of them, but the bit the the one that gets revealed as the leader is Mister Scrooge, played by John Leguizamo, as you said earlier. Uh, they end up taking the family hostage, and while Santa is kind of like drinking whiskey and uh, drinking whiskey and kind of like fading in and out of consciousness, this is where some of the gunshots wake him up, and we get our first fight, which I absolutely loved. <laughs> uh, you know, at first you're thinking like, what you know, what kind of Santa is this going to be? Uh, Santa holds his own against one of the henchmen. They start firing, uh, firing gun or the firing the gun into the ceiling, which causes the reindeer to fly away, abandoning Santa at the Lightstone uh, compound. Uh, Bat, uh, I was about to say Batman. <laughs> <Santa gets fucked laughs> Excuse me, <laughs> I beg your pardon. Look, of all the movies with fight scenes we've seen, Batman has been the most common character. Okay. <laughs> So my bad. But Santa ends up holding his own. 
he ends up uh grabbing the uh grabbing one of the uh or grabbing the henchmen uh wrapping him up in like tinsel and as he throws him out the window like the guy manages to wrap it around <laughs> santa's throw almost hanging him <laughs> santa manages to get free and the guy slams through like or he gets impaled on like a, a frozen tree like acting like a pike ending up killing the guy like immediately <laughs> oh Which is awesome. my god and all and funny throughout. enough, this this the entire movie, Santa Claus will not really use a gun at all. He he doesn't even know how to use a gun, and uh, so all the murders that Santa Claus will commit in this movie will be done by hand or by like a non projectile, a non bullet projectile whip. <laughs> and not to mention, he oh he has a lot of naughty bliss based puns as he murders people. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i love it so much <laughs> um so after accidentally killing this uh this henchman um impaled on the icicle uh he ends up going down into the santa ends up going down into the uh family game room trying to hide again trying to hide while the uh all the mercenaries are systematically taking out um a lot of the the lightstone staff um santa gets into another fight where uh using a lot of improvised weapons like i love the part where he grabs the the stocking and he's like just he's baiting the guy into like monologuing puts a bunch of uh cue balls into the stocking and use it as like a like just like a <laughs> i guess i was gonna say mace but it's just a bag full of balls <laughs> and he just starts beating the shit out of him and like there's so many gags like visual gags that take place like i like i love this the part where the dude keeps trying to stab santa's uh gift bag but because it's like every time he stabs he just stabs like a different gift and then pulls it off and tries to stab him again and stabs like another toy <laughs> like it's just it, they're really great visual gags they, you know kind of don't lend themselves to an audio medium the more i talk about them <laughs> But finally, this fight ends with um, with Santa like stabbing the dude through the eye with like a Christmas tree star, and then when he turns <laughs> it on, it explodes and the guy's electrocutes the shit out of him at the same time. It's so over the top and ridiculous, and my favorite part is that it catches fire. <laughs> like it's so stupid but again like you like at this point uh santa refers to the guns as like doohickeys or gadgets um again refusing to use them but while down in the game room that's actually where he finds one of the uh walkie talkies that the mercenaries are using to communicate which uh santa himself ends up grabbing so that way he can communicate with the bad guys as well um, I love it. It reminded me so much of Die Hard. I was I, the only thing that that scene was missing was that if he sent one of the bodies up to the guys and says, "Ho ho ho!" Now I have a machine gun. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, at that point, the mercenaries uh, circle up the Lightstone family, um, and after kind of starting an argument, um, I think it's here, right? um 
I think this is the part where kind of Trudy runs away and uh and then she kind of and she makes contact with Santa over the walkie-talkie. Yes. She she goes up into the attic. And one of the things I really like about this movie that ends up being a throwaway line that will come back later in the movie is um while Trudy's in the back seat like reading off like all the inappropriate lines from Home Alone, which is the part that most made me think of my daughter. Mm-hmm. Um you find out that she watched Home Alone and it's one of those things that's going to come back in the movie when she's in the attic because she's talking to Santa and Santa's basically like, you know, looking at who she is, finding out that she was nice all year, uh, sees that she and her family need help. So he decides he's going to help her and he lets her know to start, you know, finding a way to protect herself or defend herself up there. And that's when she's going to start putting together those Macaulay Culkin booby traps from Home Alone. Except they're super unhinged and almost like something out of a Vietnam War vet's nightmare. <laughs> it's Yeah, the brutality once we get there is... Once we got to that like climax in the movie, I knew I was watching like, okay, I was like, this might be one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. <laughs> I was cracking up all through that scene. Uh, but anyway... Um, over the course of the night, as Mr. Scrooge and uh, the rest of his mercenaries are kind of like screwing with the family, um, it's revealed that uh, Gertrude was given $300 million uh, through the Lightstone Company to disperse out into the Middle East to try to secure um, oil, essentially affordable oil for the United States. But she ended up stealing the money and keeping it uh, keeping it for themselves, and that that is currently sitting in the safe at the uh, Lightstone uh, compound. Um, so Gertrude, uh, well, Gertrude not being surprised uh, or you know feigning like surprise, she also reveals that uh, in the seventies, kind of in reminiscent of like the Patty Hearst story, or I forgot, I forgot who, um, I forgot what kidnapping it was. It might not have been Patty Hearst, but like, Patty Hearst was kidnapped. I'm very glad that you mentioned Patty Hearst. Uh, there's a podcast that I love listening to, which obviously we're not here to advertise the podcast, but it is a podcast I love called American Scandal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like one of the things that they're actually talking about right now is the kidnapping of Patty Hearst. So um, <laughs> Patty Hearst is, is she she was someone who came from a rich family and, um, you know, basically was trying to make her own way in, in some ways. Um, and she ended up in a relationship with a very young liberal, well, younger than her, her, her family or her parents, obviously, but a youngish uh, liberal teachers either ta or teacher from um you know from Berk- cal berkeley mm-hmm. and uh, who is basically like very abusive emotionally abusive to her and possibly physically abusive as well mm-hmm. um and one of the things that actually ends up happening is uh she yeah she, she'll get kidnapped by this uh by this kind of militant group <laughs> and, and she very much like you know the freedom that it gives her being away from her from her rich family and abusive boyfriend actually like you know people used to think that she was brainwashed at the time now looking at her through a modern lens you probably understand why 
she felt at certain points more comfortable with her captors than even the people who she was living with, which is oh. like wild to even imagine. Absolutely. And in kind of one of those moments, like reminiscent of that old money, like kidnapping shit, kind of like the Patty Hearst story. Uh, Gertrude talks about how her brother was kidnapped in like the 70s and mm-hmm. uh, her family had which felt a... like a direct which felt like more of a direct uh, reference to that because obviously the kidnapping of Patty Hearst happened in the 70s yeah and that's why that's kind of what came to mind okay cool so I wasn't off base thinking of Patty Hearst I, I was like I don't know if you are off base there. but yeah again it's because they, it is something that took place in the 70s who knows maybe maybe it is that's why oh, well screw you then (laughs) but anyway she mentions how uh how some kidnappers took her and then she uh mentions that her family actually has resources to send a uh essentially a mercenary team of their own to go in and extract him um and that the kidnappers were never found uh and then it's discovered that this is affectionately named her kill squad (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why that made me laugh um to which mr scrooge um yells at her saying i know i know all about your hit kill uh kill squad i know about them uh supposedly being on their way once you trigger the silent alarm in your um in your panic room and that smash cuts to a bunch of hoorah let's get them bravo team guys dressed up as commandos and snowmobiles of riding their way through the woods into uh towards the lightstone um towards lightstone manor and after a conversation or after um trudy gets discovered by mr scrooge and like the rest of the the rest of the bad guys uh jason kind of stands up for her saying that she's playing make-believe and leave her alone um and at that point, he like yells at Trudy, revealing that Santa isn't real, and that's just something fan like parents make up um, to make their kids feel better, so that they can believe in something. Um, and then parents are always the ones that buy the gifts. Like completely distraught and saddened by this, Trudy takes off running. Um, mm-hmm. And like you said, this is where she kind of goes and hides into the um, hides in the ba- or in the attic. And while talking to uh, Santa Claus, it's revealed that Santa was once a, like, Viking warrior, (laughs) which, you know what? (laughs) Like, no, I wasn't even like, this is stupid. I was like, wow, no, this makes perfect sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it actually did to me, too. Honestly, like, it really did feel like you were kind of getting into the roots of you know, maybe some kind of Santa lore of some part in the world, even though I had no idea exactly which it was. And, you know, shout out to the Norse pagans. They're getting some love there, you know? (laughs) So it's like, I mean, yeah, Christmas is based on a pagan holiday. So it's like, why not include more Norse pagan origins into what this character that we've, that was made up thanks to 1950s (laughs) Coca-Cola? But it essentially reveals that he was once a, a Viking warrior that was like a fucking monster on the battlefield, and that he used to go around with his trusty warhammer called Skull Crusher. 
and then he's just like decapitating dudes with it and it's funny because he doesn't hold back any of this information um when talking to trudy and um and then trudy starts talking to him about using some of those things that made him bad to do good things um to which kind of re re-inspire like inspire santa to do the right thing and protect the light stones um with that with one of my favorite lines of her her telling him that she's gonna or that he's gonna grab the coals and shove it up their asses (laughs) and he's like come on we're trying to keep you on the nice list and she goes what about anuses (laughs) so then that becomes like his line later is that he's gonna shove coal up anuses which i thought was hilarious um and then yeah, from there, uh, Santa ends up uh, getting found out by Scrooge and uh, two of the two of his henchmen. Uh, oh, Gingerbread mm-hmm. and Candy Cane. Uh, they end up getting the drop on Santa, uh, holding him hostage, and start interrogating him. Uh, and yeah, same thing as they think he's just they they think. Uh, He's like a John McClane character, just like a, a security guard doing his job. They toss out that idea. Uh, my favorite one is they toss out a joke saying, what are you, a cop with like five kids that references uh, <laughs> him as, as the Stranger Things dad? Yep. And then uh, he ends up revealing to everybody like the gift they wanted when they were children and the reason why he didn't get it for them. Um, and he even uses Mr. Scrooge's real name, much to his like shock. Um, but Scrooge refusing to believe this is the real Santa. Um, he manages to escape by uh, falling off of the chair and using that. I don't know what it is. Like, I think it's like the nose scratch or like the almost I dream of genie like type of nose twist. <laughs> but he ends up using that to teleport up back up through the um up through the uh what's called the chimney leaving everyone in awe just being like holy shit this is really santa claus <laughs> and it's just <laughs> yeah john liguizamo being the only person to refuse to believe this is santa so great he just continues telling people, like, come on, don't be idiots. It can't possibly be Santa. His over-the-top, like, hatred for Christmas that, like, clearly is him masking some sort of trauma from his youth was really stupid and funny. And once we get the actual story behind why he hates Christmas so much, it was absolutely what I was expecting, and I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> So it's like this movie does not take itself. It knows exactly what it's doing. It does not take itself serious, but it's not over the top about it. And that's why it's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's at this point that it's revealed that the that the kill team has essentially like been bought by uh, Mr. Scrooge, John Leguizamo's character. Uh, and they're actually working with uh, the mercenaries to try to try to steal the, mo- the money from the light stones mm-hmm. um is revealed that they have a skeleton key to the to the uh what's it called to the vault so when they go in they find out all the money's missing 
John Leguizamo loses it and he starts torturing Jason, um, breaking his, one of his fingers with a nutcracker, <laughs> which leads to a really funny exchange between him and I think it was um, I think it was Gingerbread, where he tells Gingerbread to shove Jason's uh, balls into the other like the bigger nutcracker, and she's like, "No, not doing it." And he's like, I've seen you scoop dudes' brains out of their out of their heads. Why is this like you're lying all of a sudden? <laughs> so after uh, some arguing, the local sociopath of the group, this tiny dude, finally says that he'll do it. And before they're able to crush one of Jason's testicles, he um, he reveals that he actually uh, stole the money himself. And uh, this was revealed. We ah fuck, we forgot to talk about the about the Christmas gift scene. But essentially, this there was a plan Jason had where he was going to steal the money, uh, run away with Linda and uh, Trudy, and essentially never have contact with Gertrude again. And uh, his final fuck you to his mom was going to be to steal that money that she had originally stolen um, from the U.S. government. So Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, and there's this argument he has with Linda, but also like a sweet understanding where it's like, this is what he was willing to do to kind of finally uh, have his life back. Um, (laughs) I forgot about the gift scene because that was pretty funny where um, you got uh, Ava's boyfriend tries to give uh, Gertrude like... (laughs) tries to give her like essentially a a copy of a script of a movie that he wants to be (laughs) and then like the mom uh unwraps a gift of the uh of the picture of her holding ava like after she was born um to which like beverly d'angelo's really deadpan oh i know honey i was there and then the other guy being like wow she does not care (laughs) like it's just this family all shitting on each other it's fucking great but yeah so after the um after the kill squad kind of gets there they they uh break up into teams to look for santa they manage to find him on the roof uh, he's able to escape gunfire and hide in the family shed. And after another pep talk from Trudy about um, the need to, or the ability to do bad things for with the right motivation, uh, he ends up finding a sledgehammer in one of the, or in the shed. And this leads to an awesome, I want to say like, it's like an eight minute scene, almost kind of John Wick-esque of him just going around killing the shit out of commandos. Yes. In various inventive ways, using tinsel, using light, using the hammer itself. Um, he feeds two guys into a snowblower. Like, I know this wasn't meant to be <laughs> Another bizarre movie. movie reference. Bizarre movie reference coming up, but it felt like it, it literally feels like the scene in Django after like Calvin Candy is killed and Django has to try to shoot himself out of the mansion. <laughs> no, I, that I is agree. what this Santa Claus scene feels like to me. 
I don't think you're too far off base there because he's literally just swinging his hammer, murdering people. <laughs> he kills conservatively like 22 people in the street. <laughs> <laughs> like he murders a lot of people. And then finally, like, and then you, you of course, because you have to have a scene like this where everyone has cameras on them with their uh, heartbeat monitors on them. All of them start flatlining or going dark and it's just Santa murdering these guys. And he ends up chasing down one of the guys outside, uh, kind of giving information. And after an altercation, he ends up grabbing. And I really, I'm glad they didn't do this because I think that would have been too much. But with all the jokes of shoving stuff up anuses, I honestly thought he was about to shove the grenade. Shove the grenade in his ass. Yeah. I'm so glad they didn't do that. Yeah, that would have been the one step too far. That would have been it, honestly. (laughs) And he ends up just dropping the grenade inside the guy's layer of clothing. He's not able to get it. And as Santa runs away, he's like, come on, I have to see this. And turns around right as the guy blows up. <laughs> oh my god. I absolutely loved it. And David Harbour's just so good. Like he's just he has like the right he has this like right mix of being goofy while being genuinely like a threat and genuinely um intimidating as hell. Like yeah, he's got a dad bod, but he also looks like he can take your fucking head off without a problem. So it's like like man, he's such a good casting for this role for what they wanted. And meanwhile, while Santa uh, takes care of everyone in the shed, uh, Trudy <laughs> ends up having her own encounter where she fights off Gingerbread and uh, Krampus. Uh, where Krampus ends up trying to climb up the ladder and he's like joking or he's like trying to trying to intimidate Trudy saying that if you're going to put booby traps you got to put them in less obvious places and right as he says that he like slips from one of the steps that Trudy had cut halfway uh, on the stairs going up to the attic and lands chin first into a nail like impaling him super gross <laughs> and then uh that dude gets messed up because even as he tries to get off of the nail he gets knocked back and knocked into another like kind of like this cow trap trap where he find where he just gets a bunch of bowling balls thrown at him and finally that guy's life ends when Trudy throws one of the bowling balls down the from the attic and it just like smacks a spike that like goes through the guy's throat it's just a lot of murder (laughs) and then meanwhile while she's fighting gingerbread she does the old the classic home alone thing putting you know extra strength adhesive Uh, she has to get out of her boots then she has to walk through the uh through the sea of ornaments and then she starts getting pelted by literally everything they can find (laughs) (laughs) like everything ranging from like weights to like (laughs) at one point she uses like a punching bag to like swing on her um at this at this point santa uh saves trudy uh tells her to uh, close her eyes um 
put her fingers in her ears and sing uh, a Christmas carol as loud as she can. Um, and Santa goes on to finish the job uh, saving Trudy from like the bad guys. Freaking great. I know you love the Home Alone references <laughs> in that scene. Yes. And just the insane brutality of it. Obviously, like to have what's his face fall down the ladder and just get spiked on a nail on, on like a rusty nail is absolutely disgusting. And also, I couldn't help but just giggle at it. Like, it's and also those... just the fact that he kept falling into the nails, like, he fell into <laughs> nails like twice. <laughs> Like he just keeps falling and you're just like, please stop. <laughs> At a certain point, I was like, this is too much. Please just stop. It is too much. And in, in normally in a movie, it shouldn't work. But this kind of does work in that Home Alone way at some point, except obviously it's way more bloody and mm. you can get away with a lot more. So it's just dumb. It is the dumbest part for you. are like, yeah, this is exactly, this works well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Bert, Linda, <laughs> Bertrude, Linda, and Ava managed to overpower uh, one of the mercenaries that was tasked with killing them using a bunch of tools from uh, from the fireplace, essentially, like, beat the ever-living shit out of the guy. <laughs> and then when they think he's dead, he jump scares them by coming back, to which Ava ends up by, like, stabbing him. And then Linda has a little joke about um it was nice to finally do something as a family um at the at this point oh yeah i forgot ava's boyfriend died already like he ran (laughs) we forgot the scene where he jumps out the window and abandons everyone (laughs) only for him to get shot by uh by some of the mercenaries outside later on um but yeah essentially at this point um Mr. Scrooge and the leader of the of the kill team are um, taking Jason and uh, Gertrude out to uh, find the money and then to kind of execute them. Uh, before they get a chance to execute them, though, uh, Linda and Santa attack the uh, remaining mercenaries. Santa ends up killing a bunch of them before Mr. Scrooge um, and the captain are able to get away with Gertrude and the money. Um, Santa ends up leaving Linda and Jason um, but while he grabs like a sled and his hammer and goes chasing off after them into the woods. Uh, Jason and Linda get attacked by one of the guys uh, that hadn't been killed yet by Santa, so they work together um, to get the upper hand. Jason gets his ass kicked, and just as uh, the bad guy is about to kill Linda. She ends up snapping one of the icicles off and stabbing the guy to death with him. Uh, with it, uh, it's at this point that Jason and uh, Linda kind of reconcile. And I think that is this where they try to make out. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think so. At some point, they try and and then uh immediately interrupted yeah they get like immediately interrupted by the rest of the family um (laughs) was it uh santa ends up like jiving off of this hill and like ends up (laughs) drop kicking a dude off of a snowmobile (laughs) 
and he ends up uh, chasing after the captain. Uh, Gertrude is able to uh, grab the gu- grab the gun from the guy's holster. He ends up getting knocked out. Um, and John Leguizamo or Mr. Scrooge leads uh, Santa to like an abandoned old house. Um, where he hides in front of a stump. Uh, Santa tries to run him over, and as Mr. Scrooge rolls out of the way, he crashes into the stump, going flying into the house. Uh, Scrooge goes inside, and so begins the essentially the climax of the film. This is the fight you've been waiting for, Scrooge versus Santa. They start going at it in a very like back and forth fight. Um, Scrooge is able to get the upper hand a couple times because of the fact that he has um, that he has uh, snow boots on. Uh, he's mm-hmm. able to kind of push uh, Santa Claus around. Uh, Santa like brute forces him and just like starts kind of hitting him with a hammer. Uh, but in the meanwhile, taking a couple hits and getting uh, cut up by um, by Scrooge with a knife. And as he's kind of like stabbing him, uh, they managed to explode <laughs> one of the jet skis, uh, setting fire to the house. Um, and as they're fighting, um, Scrooge gets the upper hand, starts stabbing Santa, and just when you think he's about to kill him, um, with the pickaxe, right? It was yeah, very with, brutal. The fight is really brutal. You get the hammer versus the two pickaxe fight. God, which is and, very and just like, like it, it felt like something not in the style of it because the style of this movie is is, is all its own. But it just reminded me of like a break in the action from something like Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> oh yeah, it. Um, I see what you're saying. <laughs> like, yeah, not, it, didn't, it didn't have any of like the innovative, like you know, like video game, like actual like health bar or anything like that. It was just like straight up like the kind of fight that you would see in a video game is the kind that these guys are having. Oh yeah, and they're both getting fucked up. Both of them are bleeding. Both of them are messed up. And... Right, which I, I was wondering about this movie because I'm like, huh, is there any way that you could actually kill Santa Claus in this movie? Well, this movie definitely answers that question. Right. And uh, just as you think um, that Mr. Scrooge is about to kill Santa, Santa makes a one-liner about Christmas magic and ends up activating his teleportation power. He grabs Mr. Scrooge and they both and as Santa starts going up through the chimney, Scrooge gets stuck, gets broken in half and ripped into two pieces by the chimney. <laughs> with Santa standing on the chimney with both body parts. I was watching this movie in a theater that had no more than 10 people on a Tuesday afternoon and my theater applauded. <laughs> oh my god, mine too! imagine the predator just ripping someone's spine and skull out that's That's exactly what i thought of yeah i literally thought of like the predator ripping someone's spinal cord out of their ass or something (laughs) it was so good it's such an inventive kill all i can think of is someone at nether realm making a is making a playable santa character right now and that's his fatality <laughs> <laughs> and i love it because like the way david harbour just like throws the body parts he goes oh cool like kind of like i didn't know i could do that 
Yeah. Well, again, he, like, he doesn't know how the magic works. Hey, man. And as he climbs down, he ends up getting shot by uh, uh, by the kill team captain, who just kind of jokes about like how I don't know what the fuck's going on, but I'm gonna kill you anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, Gertrude gets the drop on him using his own gun. She manages to kill him. Uh, it's at this point that the rest of the Lightstone family kind of gets back together, and. Santa tells them that he's dying. Mm-hmm. And for all intents and purposes, at the you know, he, he dies right here. Yeah, you get and the melodramatic Santa death scene in the snow. Yeah, that's what every Christmas movie <laughs> needs. The melodramatic Santa Claus sacrifice. <laughs> but then at this point, Trudy talks about how she believed in him believed in him and always will um and linda says she believes because of her daughter uh i like the way kind of jason's like he protected and you know even jason believes he he sets fire to like half a million dollars to try to keep him warm thinking that maybe that'll be what saves him since he says he's he feels cold um Mm -hmm. but even though he doesn't fully believe this is Santa or doesn't even know what to believe, like just the fact that this guy saved his daughter, he makes him believe. Um, and yeah, like Bertrude uh, says he believes, Ava says she believes, and <laughs> Gertrude is like, I guess I'll believe if everyone else believes. <laughs> and just in that moment, everyone believing in Santa Claus again, he's, he comes back to life. Um, Again, this is something that's absolutely dumb and is absolutely ridiculous. It makes no logical sense. But not only does it it work in the rules that this movie set up, it also just has that, like, again, Christmas movies, I'm always willing to grant them more than I will most other type of film because it just require even movies that are set in more, quote-unquote, grounded realities will have some of this quote-unquote Christmas magic kind of stuff. Exactly. And if I can't have a movie where David Harbour is like a Viking Santa going around kicking the shit out of bad guys and get at least one deus ex machina moment, then who gives... Well, what are we even enjoying cinema for, okay? <laughs> um. So they make a little quip where... Uh, where Jason says, I don't know how I could ever repay you, to which Santa responds, you literally brought me back from death. Like, I think we're even. <laughs> yeah. So he um, he thanks Trudy again. Um, and, you know, at this point, we kind of see that the, we see that the Lightstones are going to be back together. And uh, the reindeer and the sled end up coming back in front of, <laughs> before the entire family. And before Superman can, or Superman, Jesus Christ, I'm thinking of every superhero <laughs> <like> Santa. <laughs> Superman, before, Batman, Santa. Before Santa can get pissed at any of the reindeer, um, you know, he finds out that they went and grabbed his spare, uh, his spare toy sack, so that way he can finish delivering toys. Um one of the uh and also he finds out mrs claus uh get you know gave him a skull breaker or skull crusher again in case she in case he needed to defend himself um 
to which Gertrude gets or uh, uh, Gertie. No, no, no. Who was it? It was Trudy. Trudy. Why am I blanking on Trudy, these names? Yeah. Gertie. Tr- <laughs> Gertie. Trudy gets super excited, being like, "Oh, it's Skull Crusher!" So, um, yeah. At this point, uh, Santa gets back on. The uh, he gets yeah. He gets on his sleigh. Shut up! I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> he and says his goodbye. Away. Yeah, he says his goodbye to Trudy and uh, the rest of the family. Uh, completely inspired and ready to be Santa for as long as he he possibly can. As the and, movie ends and the credits roll, and as the credits roll, we get one final joke from Bertrude, where he make he starts another stream next to one of the dead bodies and says, "Look at this guy. He's dead as fuck. Don't fuck with Santa. Be better." <laughs> Oh my god. All right. So, Javi, I don't need to ask you, but I'm going to do it anyway. Did you like Violent Night? Oh, I love this movie. It's so <laughs> dumb. It's so good. This movie does not take itself serious at all. It gives you a stupid premise. It has fun with it. It feels like everyone in this movie is also having fun with the premise. Um, but it's never too much. Like it's never one of those things where it overstays its welcome. Um, I felt like there is genuinely good acting, which is interesting for holiday movies. Very common. <laughs> like like I said, there's a very nuanced way to treat holiday movies. It's very easy to hand these movies up, but they did a really good job of kind of of finding that middle ground um david harbour as a again a tired old bitter santa fantastic i thought the girl that played trudy was adorable child actor she did her job like there was a lot of emotional like pull in this movie surprising a, a surprising amount of emotional pull outside of your normal like christmas movie stuff i mean beverly d'angelo was fantastic as she normally is John Leguizamo was great. I, like you said, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop on why his, why he hates Christmas so much to the point that he wants to kill Christmas. <laughs> it's like he becomes such a cartoonish villain by the end of this movie, but it just fits. It's like it fits within the context of this film. I think it's great. I think it's a fun action movie. You can turn your brain off and you just like, don't think about it. Just have fun with it. Mm-hmm. So, Angel, did you like Violent Night? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I was expecting to like it. I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. Uh, this is one of those movies that I thought was so good that once it comes out on video, it it would be a movie that I'd put into a regular holiday rotation. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how entertained by it I was. Um, so I definitely enjoyed it. I will watch it again. And it just, it, it seems like one of these movies that does have that rewatchability too, which is so difficult to get now um, mm. that I have to give this movie all the credit for just kind of going balls to the wall to what it was, you know, to, to do this campy Santa story. And uh, it actually did a really good job. And uh, I'm very glad I watched it for this episode. So um <laughs> We would like to thank you guys for joining us for this episode. Um, we want to thank you for continuing to follow our show. 
uh, whether it is on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or the podcasting platform of your choice that we're on. Um, we'd appreciate if you can leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts, which helps uh, raise the kind of visibility of the show. Uh, rate the show on Spotify if you can. And uh, please continue to interact with us on social media on our Instagram page. Um, and, you know, do what you can to get the word out there for the podcast so that we can continue to grow our audience and start a grander 2023. Damn, um, that's crazy to think about. Yeah, we started this in 2019. We are going to be entering year four of the podcast pretty soon. Man. And I didn't think we could make it this far. <laughs> Look at us. Who would have thought? It's been, it is quite it is quite the surprise that we have made it as far as we have. So mm-hmm. uh, again, thank you guys for helping keep this keep this show going. And uh, we really appreciate you guys continuing to follow us. And we'll talk to you next time. Later, y'all.